Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. My brothers, my sisters in Christ. He's never going to give you up. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to run around and hurt you. He's never going to make you cry. He's never going to say goodbye. He's never going to tell a lie and desert you. His name is Rick Astley, and he is delusional. He is making you promises that he cannot keep. And as you listen to the words of his immortal hit, Never Gonna Give You Up, it probably hits you if you're really weighing the things that he's saying. What is this guy thinking? Is he for real? Never gonna let you down? Never gonna make you cry? Really, Rick? You don't have that kind of power. You cannot control our emotions, Rick. You mean to promise us that nothing you ever do will ever make us sad in any way, shape, or form? And that's just the refrain. How does the song begin? We're no strangers to love. You know the rules, and so do I. A full commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get this from any other guy. Sure you can, Rick. If the imaginary woman that he's writing this song to is an attractive young lady, then guys who can provide her with a full commitment can line up out the door and go into the street. Rick Astley is not only making promises that he can't keep, he's painting a picture that is not true. He wants his crush to think of him as her only option. Now, as you heard the words of God from Isaiah <clears throat> spoken through his prophet, it might seem like God's claims are even more ridiculous. God is not trying to woo us romantically, but he is trying to get us to see he is our only option. Not only can he fulfill every promise that he makes to us, but we have nowhere else to go. He says to us through his prophet Isaiah, this is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. God is inviting anyone else to come into his throne room and to compare their history with his. You notice that Rick Astley doesn't do that in his song. He doesn't say to his young lady that he's writing this song to, let anyone else come and present themselves as a viable option. Let them make promises to you because he knows that he has competition. Rick Astley and any other romantic songwriter, for that matter, knows that they are just one option among many. But God? God is not threatened by any other God because he knows what we should know, and that is no other God can even compare, if they were even real, 
can compare with the history of action that God has. He has shown us that he is worth our trust. Because the context in which these promises are made, the context in which these words are spoken, they matter, right? How would it change Rick Astley's song, Never Gonna Give You Up, if the woman that he's singing to has only ever experienced relationships where she's been abused and lied to and cheated on? Well, it would sound pretty good that Rick Astley has no intention of doing those things. How would it change the song, though, if Rick Astley himself had dated this woman and had abused her, cheated on her, lied to her? Well, she might be a little hesitant to believe him when he comes promising all these big things, right? Because as Dr. Phil McGraw somewhat controversially said, the greatest predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And you know this. You have your friends who you trust with everything, whom you can tell anything to. And why? Because they have shown you time and time again that they can handle your deepest, darkest secrets. You have your friends with whom you're, you're pretty good friends, but you know not to be too much of yourself because they can't handle it. How do you know that? Because you've seen the way they act with other people or with your secrets. The greatest predictor of future behavior is past behavior. But it is true that sometimes we will ignore some red flags, right? We will want a relationship, a romantic relationship to work so much that we'll kind of ignore the obvious red flags so that 10 years down the line when we're looking back, say, yeah, I really should have paid attention to those red flags at the beginning. You will trust a, a friend again that you thought you knew you couldn't trust. You'll share a secret and then they'll, they'll spill the beans, spill the tea to everyone else that they know. Sometimes we will make that mistake. What's even more rare is the opposite. That you could have a good, perfect relationship with someone and you make up red flags when they don't exist. Someone who is looking for reasons not to trust and even the best partner, even in the best of friends, is someone who likely has a history of being abused, lied to, and betrayed. Not every one of us has that kind of history. If we do, they can be treated with therapy or the person can eventually win your trust. But there is someone whom we treat that way regularly. In our relationship with God, we keep making up red flags. We keep coming up with reasons not to trust in God. We resemble the Israelites in a very concrete way. We have the history of God's interaction with the human race. We have past behavior, and that should be our predictor of future behavior, but we still are so hesitant to trust. And like the Israelites turned to idols of wood or stone or metal, we can turn to anything else to hedge our bets for safety, for security in life. Why? Why are we so hesitant to trust a God who has done nothing but help us and protect us and provide for us, and yet at the same time we run headlong into shoring up our security with things we know won't last and won't deliver, with 
people who keep betraying us, with money which keeps falling short, with anything other than God? Well, you might say it's because God has burned me, Pastor. I trusted him to provide, and he didn't. I trusted him to protect, and he didn't. I trusted him to carry me through and to save me from harm, and he didn't. Really? Or did we misinterpret who he is and his promises? Did God really fail to provide and protect for us, protect us? Or did we misinterpret his promises to provide for us as a promise that life will always be easy and that there will never be hard times making ends meet? Did God really fail at protecting us when, or did we misinterpret his promises of protection as a guarantee that we will never be in a situation that is uncomfortable or even painful, which is necessary as we live in a world full of sin? Did we misinterpret God's promises in Scripture to love us and to care for us and to be there for us as promises that life is going to be 100% comfortable all the time? That might be why we're so hesitant to trust in God. It's because we're misinterpreting who he is and what he says. And so it makes sense, brothers and sisters, God has to remind us of who he is. God has to remind us that if we at all have faltered in our trust of him, it's because we don't have the full picture. It's not because God has failed. So look again at the history of God and human beings, from Adam to Noah to Abraham to Moses to, the, to Isaiah and the Israelites. God has done nothing but help and redeem and save and protect. It's us, it's human beings who have failed him, but never, ever the other way around. That's what God wants to remind you and me by the simple names that he refers to himself by. He reminds us that he is Israel's king and redeemer. He is not just reasserting his authority. He's not just saying, I'm God, the top dog, so you better listen to what I say. But imagine that you're an Israelite hearing this message for the first time in captivity. You don't have a country of your own anymore. You are far away from home. You are longing to belong. You are longing to have community. And you hear God refer to himself as your king. You are a citizen of his country. You are under his rule. And God is saying he's going to do for you everything that a king is supposed to do. He's going to rule in your favor. He's going to govern in your best interests. And he's going to marshal his strength and his army to protect you and defeat your enemies. He showed his power to do this when he became your redeemer. As he sent Jesus Christ to shed his blood to pay for your freedom. That's what redemption means. When through the work of the death and resurrection of Christ, God hurled your sin into the sea. He separated you from your guilt and your shame and your wickedness, hurled it into the sea, never to be seen or heard of again, never to be mentioned again. And he has brought you into the kingdom of the son that he loves. But even closer than just being his citizen, you are in his household. You are one of his family. He is your God and father, your redeemer.
And how far does your God's kingdom stretch? Well, he refers to himself as the first and the last. This is why God can make whatever promise he wants to make to you. Because only this can be true of the one true God and is true of no one else. He was there before the beginning of the whole universe. He's the first. And when all is said and done, when everything goes to pot, it's going to be God standing there. He is the last. Which means that everything in between is his jurisdiction, is his under his authority, including everything that is happening in your life right now. Unlike Rick Astley, there is no such thing as a promise that God can't keep. And he has shown you that, hasn't he? As he's kept every single promise he has ever made. You are safe in the grasp of the first and last. But he continues, do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a God and casts an idol which can profit nothing? People who do that will be put to shame. Such craftsmen are only human beings. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and shame. So God has good news, and he has bad news. The bad news first. No one else is coming to save you. No one else can do for you what God has done. No one else, not even yourself, can do a single thing about the sins that you have committed. No one else has the power that you need to save your life. The good news? God has already done it. The work of Christ is already done. Your sin is already forgiven. You are already wrapped up in the grace of the first and the last. You are going to heaven. You know how this ends. You are safe with God. He has united yourself to him through faith in Christ. He's brought you into his holy family. Now what about everyone else? God is enlightening us to the fact that your value matches what you trust in. If you trust in something that amounts to nothing, you amount to nothing. If, like you, you are hooked to God, you are anchored in, into the infinity, in infinite almighty God, that means that your life lasts for eternity, that your worth, your value has no limit because you are wrapped up in God. But if we are to trust in God for nothing, then nothing we will receive. If we rely on God for nothing, then nothing we will get. God is standing here available, making promises that we can trust and hang on to, that we can hold on to even in our darkest moments. You would do well to trust and rely on him. What about everyone else? What about those people you know who, well, they're not going to the idol shop and picking up a little, a little wooden or iron bale to take home to pray to. 
But they're worshiping something, and it's not God. And they don't know that it's nothing. God says they will find out. That guy that you know, who has no clue what to make of the tragedy in his life, and so he's living a waking nightmare that is only going to get worse for him. Or that woman that you know, whose value, whose worth is wrapped up in how her kids behave. And it's tearing her up inside, and it's driving her further and further apart from her children. Or that other person that you know, that is very focused on the numbers, on their money, on their investments. And you can tell that this is deriving a source of security and confidence in them. You know these things will not last. You know that these things cannot provide what God can only provide. So what will you do for these people who are in your life? You know their outcome. So what will you do? Is it enough to invite them to church and hope that they come and hope on the particular Sunday that they come they hear something that speaks to their particular situation? Is it enough to keep doing your thing and let them keep doing their thing and just hope that they kind of jump the shark, that they kind of notice that you're doing something right and they're doing something wrong and then they start asking you more pointed questions? Is it enough to kind of mind your own business and hope that someday they look back on their relationship with you and they thank you for never shoving your religion down their throat? I would venture to say this, brothers and sisters. If it's true that God Almighty, the first and the last, the King of Israel and our Redeemer, is the only God, is the only person who's going to save, and no one else is coming for those people that you know, except for this one true God. If it's true that God is not just one option among many, but he's it, and salvation through his son Jesus Christ is our only option, and if it's true that the only way people are going to know about this God and therefore be saved from their ultimate doom and their final outcome is if somebody tells them, and doesn't that mean that maybe we can speak his word? That we can share what we know about him that others don't? That we can share the salvation that is in the one true God, Israel's king, our redeemer? That we can tell simply what we know? We can share the history of God's redemptive action throughout human history from Adam to Noah to Abraham to Moses to Isaiah to you and me that we can talk directly about the salvation we know in him and how available he is for us to trust in and rely on. It's true, there's no other first and last there but God alone. You are safe with him. How about the other people in your life? Amen.